This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning, church. Like Justin said, we are in the Transform series where we're talking about how we grow through God with things like risk, pain, tension, and our tribe. If you missed last week, Ron kicked off the series giving us a great, uh, a great vision of where we're going. If you missed that, though, please jump back in, catch that on YouTube, on our website. talks about the transformation that Jesus wants for our lives and the ways that we push back and resist the conforming to the world. So we've got that for you as well. We've got uh, something else that we have right alongside us. If you are on our website and you're clicking the podcast, you're trying to watch the video right there, you can also download our sermon discussion guides. We have that to go along with this sermon. That's some questions that kind of help you process this. You can use it with your group, with your family, or just by yourself to help you take the sermon just a little bit deeper. Without further ado, though, if you can do me a favor and grab a Bible, whether that's your digital one or your paper one or the one that's right in the seat in front of you, we're going to open up into uh, 2 Samuel 23 as we talk about how we grow through our tribe. And as you're trying to find that, I'm going to give you just a little background to help us understand where we're going today. So there's a guy in the Bible by the name of David. And David starts off as a young man, as a shepherd, and he's eventually selected to be the king of Israel. The guy before him messes up some, and, and God then says, David, you're going to be the next king of Israel. A little bit more about him, David becomes a great warrior. He's a musician, just like Eli. Um, but he, if you read anything in the Bible as well about the Psalms, a lot of those are written by David. Those are some songs that he's written. Uh, like I said, he becomes the king. And one of my favorite lines that is said about David in the Bible, you're flip- God called him a man after his own heart. And you're, you're flipping to 2 Samuel. Keep on flipping there. I'm just going to read you that part because um, I think it's super important and cool to read right from it. So I'm going to read uh, 1 Samuel 13, 14. Like I said, you don't have to flip there. It says, but now your kingdom will not endure. That's God talking to Saul, the king right before David, saying your kingdom's done. Now it's going to David. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people. I just think that's awesome, right? Like what a cool picture, cool thing to have, an awesome thing to have God say about, um, about him. Now, if you know about David, you know he wasn't perfect, and I'll catch us up. He had a supreme failing where he commits adultery, and then he murders to cover it up, and then he's called out on it, and he does, he does end up fessing up. He still has to face the music for it. He's got, a, he's got the consequences and all that's described in 2 Samuel before, um, before the story we're talking about today. But maybe you're like me, and you hear, he's a man after God's own heart. Well, how does that fit with this guy who's an adulterer and a murderer? Like, that doesn't seem right. And I think typically we think of when we hear the words, a man after God's own heart, we think morally. Like, he's morally a man after God's own heart. But I don't think that that's what it's meaning. I think it's meaning the direction that David is headed with his life. He is following the direction of God. And I think there's a second thing there 
where it says he's a man after God's own heart. That word man, I think, is important because he's not God. He is a man, and he, um, he is prone to failing, just like we all are. So I still, I want to be like Jesus, right? The perfect man. I want to follow him and follow as close as I can in his footsteps. But I can't help but, but hear what they said, uh, what, um, what he said about David and think, wow, I would love for God to say something like that about me. A person after God's own heart. Now, there's a lot from David's life we can learn a lot about, but today we're going to focus on a story about his mighty men. So, like I said, 2 Samuel 23, we're going to be in, verse, uh, in verses 13 through 17. So I'm going to read these together, and then we'll work through it. During harvest time, there are, I'm sorry, let's start that over. During harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam, while David was in the Philistines, was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of the men who went at the risk of their, of their lives, and David would not drink it? Such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. Now, I feel like I didn't really do justice to this story. Like, there probably should have been, like, a, a little bit of theme music as we're listening to this. This story is awesome. Like, I'm thinking in that middle when you hear that these guys are going to break through the lines and go and snag some water, like, there should be some Lord of the Rings music, right? Or maybe some Mission Impossible music at that point. I'm not going to read it again with that. But that's what I'm thinking of as I'm hearing this. I'm like, wow, this is quite the story. That's awesome. But we're going we're gonna to take a look at this, though, and see what we can gather about David and what, how, it can, um, how it can apply to us. So let's look at these verses, verse by verse. We're going to start in verse 13 again. So during harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. So the Philistines, they're another group of people that are living in the land where David and the Israelites are at. And throughout David's story, if you're reading in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, or the Kings or Chronicles, you're going to see that David ends up fighting a lot with the Philistines. And the Philistines, they like to attack, like it says in the, that, those first three words, during harvest time. They like to do that because if they're attacking during harvest time, then they can trample everything that was just made, and there's no time for the, the Israelites or, any, or their enemies to do anything about it. So they're essentially weakening them by taking away their food supply. Pretty awesome and pretty terrible at the same time. Now, the next couple words there, three of the 30 chief warriors, I think it's important to understand where these warriors came from, right? Like, how did he get these 30 people? So we got to go back. We're going to go back to 1 Samuel 22. You can, you can flip with me or you can just listen. I'm only going to read two verses here to get us back to the story about where David started with these people. 
So David, in, this, uh, in these two verses, he is running from over Saul. Saul's upset um, at David and mad at him that he's supposedly taking over. And so he's chasing him and David is hiding. So First uh, Samuel 22, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. Notice we're in that same cave again. All those who were gathered in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. Now I just put the second verse on the screen just to give us the context because he's hiding in this, in this cave, and this is how his fighting force starts. But I think it's interesting who ends up coming. Well, let's look at that again. Those that were in distress, in debt, and discontented. Sounds like a great group, right? Like this is your party people? <laughs> Not so much. But I, I want us to think about who else, who else does this sound like? Somebody that draws in people that are struggling. Jesus, right? Like in distress, in debt, discontented. These are the kind of people that Jesus draws in. I just think when I hear he's a man after God's own heart, this is what I think starts to point me in that direction. Ah, he's drawing in people, and he's not so worried about whether or not they are the, you know, the, the people that are doing great in the moment. He's, he's taking what God is giving so David begins to gather his tribe, and or rather God gathers it for him, and they begin their journey together, trying to listen to what God says and honor who God is. So he's at the cave of Adullam. The Philistines are not far away, 13 miles at most, and I had to do this. I got on my Google phone because I've not been, into, been to Israel before, and I didn't know how far these places were apart. But if you pulled up Google Maps right now, you could look up caves of Adullam in Israel, and you could look up Bethlehem. The problem is we don't know exactly. It's been just a few years since this happened. So we're not exactly sure. But it's about 13 miles. And for those of you that haven't run 13 miles lately, I just want to give you a little picture of this. So anybody in the room know where 11 Mile in Algoma is? All right, I'm going to need somebody to do me a favor real quick. I just need somebody to go over to 11 Mile in Algoma. And if you could go over there and grab me some water and bring it back. Any volunteers that want to do that? you got to walk, though. That's the thing. Okay, you're going to walk over there for me? Perfect. I got one. This service, you guys are doing better. You are infinity percent better than first service. They let me down. They just laughed at me. Like, what? Who's going to go do that? Right? you got to travel Elgoma 10 mile and try and safely get down that road, right? And you got to go over to Elgoma, and now there's no shoulder. Like, this is not a safe journey, Mike. We're not going to do that. And that's not even 13 miles, but that's where I grew up when I was a kid. I think this is important. At that time, let's get back into these verses, though. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. David appears to be having a moment right now. And it kind of makes me feel a little bit closer to David. Like, oh, he's a normal, he's a normal dude. He's having a moment, right? Like you got the Philistines, they're trampling all the fields and stuff. He's in a cave, right? Like that doesn't sound like, a, you know, like where you want it to be. Uh, he's in a cave. 
and he could be thinking all sorts of things, but just wondering what's going to happen, the stress of the war, and he has a moment. We all have those. And so he longs for something that's probably a comfort from his youth, the water from a well where he grew up. So he grew up in Bethlehem, and that's what he's looking for. You could gloss over this part. You could gloss over these whole four verses and miss it, but I think it's important to understand this. So I'm going to need a little bit of your help right now. I need a, some audience participation to, to understand a little bit about water. So who in the room here likes well water? Raise your hand. Come on. Raise them proud. You know you like that iron. There you go. Okay. All right. Who in here prefers city water? Okay, we got a few. Yep, yep. There's, these are our chlorine people. Okay. All right. Who likes the purified water? There we go. Okay. Lots more proud hands. Distilled water? There's a difference. Any of you? Okay. No distilled people. I'm seeing some, All right, maybe nobody likes distilled water. There we go. Absapure? Anybody an Absapure fan? Seriously. First service, there was nobody. This service, there's nobody. Somebody needs to talk to the marketing person there. Absapure, you're struggling. Dasani? No? Okay. We, both of those companies. Anyways. Who, who drank from the hose as a kid? Come on, be honest. Yeah, there we go. Now we all know where our problems stem from, right? In our own family, we disagree, but I'm partial to drinking water as well straight from the hose, as in yesterday, apparently. That probably explains a lot about me as well. I'm not encouraging you to drink from a hose. Please don't hear that. I'm just saying, for me, it's nostalgic. Like, I, I was drinking from the back, and I'm straight in, and I'm like, wow, I did do this as a kid. And it drove me back, and I'm like, I don't know if my parents and I were just, like, kind of lazy, and I'm like, I just don't want to run inside. That's a lot of work. I'm just going to drink from the hose. Or if they were like, no, Muddy Mike, you stay outside, and you just drink from the hose out there because we don't want your muddy, nasty inside, right? So I don't know what it is, but it's nostalgic for me, and it brings me back to my youth. And, and I think, I wonder if that's a little bit like for David. David wants this water that's comforting to, to be done and to be moved on with what this is and to be in comfort like the water brings him from his youth. Let's jump into the next verse here. Verse 16 says, so the, here we go, so the three Mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Uh, instead, he poured it out to the Lord. So, David's got a group of 400. Later, it becomes 600, it grows a bit. And he's got 30 that are his mighty men. And his group, in this instance, is whittled down to three. And they're listening to what their leader says. He doesn't command it. He just says, right? So let's, let's think about this for a second because they're in a cave, right? And I don't know if they had a fire, but I like to pretend that maybe they did or imagine that maybe they did. And they're like sitting around this fire and David's talking and it says the three guys are there. And he's just sharing his heart. Like he's having a moment. And I don't know if these guys, like did they, did they talk to each other about the next thing that they were going to do or did they just look around the fire and they're like, Oh, we're doing this. Like, they're just giving the head nod. And they're like, oh, we're, we're going to get this water. Like, I don't know what they needed to do to encourage each other. If they were just so in tune to each other because of the time that they spent, that they just had to do the head nod and they're off. There's a lot of things that I wonder. I want more information about this story and this team. Did they fight? 
Did they have to fight through the lines? Did they just army crawl and sneak around? Like, what happened? So many questions. There's just something that is so compelling about a team. Whether that's a sports team aiming for a championship, maybe just one more win this season. Come on, Lions, right? A debate team, or whether it's your work team, your musical group, or whatever team I'm forgetting about, you work together in one direction. There's a purpose. Now, to have a purpose worth fighting for, long-term, life purpose, David's mighty men had that. Tell you what, I'd love to be a part of David's team. These, these guys sacrifice for each other. And this is only one of their stories. They care about each other. They listen to each other. They challenge and encourage each other to do awesome things. And they're driven with a purpose together. I'm compelled by this team. And if I think about it, as a church, we're a team as well. I think of great speeches from coaches or leaders when their group is, is, needs to rally, right? And they deliver this encouragement and challenge right in the moment. What's a Sunday morning message? See, things are on the lines, friends. We are on the line. So David's men bring him water that was super hard to get, risking their lives to get it. And who read the next line? And you're a little bit mad at David, right? So let's, let me throw up the rest of that for you. It says, instead... He poured it out before the Lord. He poured it out? Are you kidding me? Right? Like, anybody feel like that a little bit? Come on, David. You can't just pour out the water. Especially, like, in our context, if somebody brings me something. Like, I love pizza, but if you bring me a Domino's pizza, I'm not going to throw it out. I'm going to, like, I'll feed it to my kids at least. Right? I'm kidding. Any pizza's fine. You can bring me pizza. I'll eat it. Or I'll give it to the dog. But somebody's going to eat it, Okay? I'm not going to throw it out. That would be rude. It would be disgraceful in our culture. But, but there's that little part in there that's super important right afterwards because he didn't just pour it out. He poured it out before the Lord. See, this is an offering, a gift to God to pour out a drink. This isn't the first time that this happened, but it, it was a way of, of saying that this is for you, God. And he does this because of what he says in verse 17. He says, far be it from me, Lord, to do this. He said, it is, is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. David didn't think he was worthy. Because the water symbolized their blood that they risked. Rather, that the thing should be directed back to the one who is Worthy. God. Right? Like, like David could have accepted this thing and those guys would have been like, oh, yes, we did this awesome thing. We brought this water. We, we crawled through the enemy lines. We bring it back to, to the supreme leader in our land and they would have been honored by that. But instead, David goes, no. <laughs> As your king, I'm not I'm worthy of this. There's one greater that is. The only one that's worthy of this is God. What an honor, right? Like, that changes the picture. To give it to God and say that he's the one that's worthy? Your, your leader's not even worthy? Wow. 
I hope that I can respond in that kind of a way, right? To notice and react and respond, to be able to, when you bring me that Domino's pizza, to say thank you and to give all the glory to God, to point it back to him because he is the one that is worthy of all of our praise. David and his group, they do, they do three things. We just talked about one of them. They focused on God. They did life together, and they demonstrated love for others. Who doesn't want these things in their life, right? See, the potential for growth is crazy when you add others to the mix. The potential for growth, once you make it regular, is only that much more. And these guys, they didn't just run into each other, brush shoulders on the road, and then decide to go do this one feed. They've been together, and they've done life together. And all of this has brought them to this point. David's leadership, God's leadership. See, we need others who will encourage our relationship with God, will travel in life together and challenge us to love others. For God, life, and others. Someone who will be like David. Remind us of who God is and that he is the one that is worthy of all of our praise. Someone that's going to be like the mighty men who encourage each other to do great things. Or like these mighty men that are doing life together with. And they're crossing enemy lines with you. If you consider where you are now, is this where you want to be? Are you growing? Are you stagnant? Or are you moving backwards? If we're honest, there's really only two options. Think of it like a river. Like if, if your life is like a river and you're either moving forward, like you're floating up the river and you're paddling up the river. If you're stagnant, and you, or rather you're floating, what does that mean, actually, if you're sitting in a river? You're moving backwards, right? Or if you are actually, the other option is to actually just be paddling backwards. See, I want to be a part of the adventure, moving forward with a vision that's focused on God for a purpose that encompasses my whole life. If you've been floating, it's okay. I just encourage you today to stand up in the river and to take one step forward. So I ask you again, are, are you and the people you're doing life with growing? Think back to, to a year ago. How have you grown? See, it's easier to think about maybe a week ago, because that's about as far as I can remember, but to be honest, that time might have been different. I, this, today I could be in a cave with my enemies trampling the fields and and I could be longing for the water, right? Like I could be longing for the water. So if I look back to a week ago, I'm like, man, that looks great. A week ago I wasn't in a cave, but today I am. So look back a year ago. Are you encouraging growth? See, you could be the change for your group of people. Starting to encourage your, your group towards God, doing life and loving others. Or it could be time to find some, some other people who are looking to do the same. Now, 
I'm a pastor here, and it's my job to be over community life, so you would expect me to say nothing less, right, to talk to you about how you should be a part of a group. But instead of just doing that more in this moment, I wanted to give you somebody who actually did this this summer. They jumped into a group, and they experienced growth in community. There's a couple of them, but for time, I'm only showing you one today. So let's take a listen to Therese as she shares her story. You do sometimes think, oh, I've been a Christian for a lot of years, and um, I, I'm pretty rooted. I've, I've read a lot. I've been in a lot of small groups, and I've done a lot. But I just kept hearing that this is such a good thing. And I, I heard um, pe people who were new Christians and people who were old Christians, all of them getting something out of it. And so I put the invite to my husband, like, do you want to do this? And he agreed to it. And what a wonderful experience. We didn't, my husband and I didn't actually just sit down and study together, but we were doing it together. And, and we've never really done that before. So we get to talk a little bit about, you know, what we're studying and what's happening. Um, and we did um, make some changes with our finances, which uh, felt like some pretty big breakthrough for us. And it just felt good. It felt like this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is the message that God was giving us. I'm looking forward to seeing more people going through it and maybe perhaps doing some leading in the future. Well, I love that, right? Like God gets the glory. Feel grateful for what he's doing in, in lives here and through uh, Ter in Teresa's life as well. So grateful for her uh, being willing to share her story. But as you think today and think about what you're hoping and how you can take your next steps and how you can be transformed by God, it, I think it's important to think about your tribe and how you gather your tribe. And, and maybe you're in a group and maybe you're not, but it still is the same thing. It requires us to do a part of it. And we let God do the rest. So we get to step in with small things like how we do every Sunday morning where we turn and say hi to the person next to us. Maybe it's just a simple step like that, like saying hi to the people that are sitting next to you. Or maybe, maybe your next step today is going to be heading over and grabbing a smoothie and introducing yourself to somebody after the this, after this service uh, just to get to know somebody else new here. Whatever it is, encourage you, take that next step, because that next step could be with the people that God's trying to draw you close with to be a community with. Maybe that's the people that you're going to do your small group with. Rooted, we've got Rooted coming up, and this is a chance for you to step into this together. We're kicking it off September 11th. It's going to be on Mondays. We're going to practice, develop rhythms of a Christian. We're going to try and grow and develop like David developed his men. But for all of us, it's for all levels, from not sure about Jesus to seasoned follower of Jesus. But more importantly than the details, we're bringing people together to connect with God, your purpose, and your church. So let's be like David's group, driving in one direction, encouraging each other to do the hard things that make an impact on each other. And as I start to wrap up, if I can have the worship team start making their way up with me. See, I want to be like those mighty men, and this is your chance. There will be people at the info desk right after the service that can answer your questions about Rooted. Talk with them. Hear from real people. But don't miss this. If you already know that you want to step into this, you want to step into a community, or you want to find out more about it, then scan that QR code right in front of you right now, and you can sign up at this moment for a group.
If you're in a group, follow us along with this series. Follow us along with this Transform series. We've got those sermon discussion guides. Encourage your group to start moving with this. If you're feeling stagnant or you haven't gone through Rooted already, your group can go through Rooted with us. Come along with us. If you're not in one, join one today. Now, for all our middle schooler and high schoolers, I'm assuming you tuned me out for about the last two minutes. That's no judgment here. But there's, there's a chance for you as soon as you graduate, please come and be a part of these things as well. But also, there's something for you right now. See, BSM is happening, and it's about to start up, and there's groups there. It's going to start up on September 10th for high school and September 6th, that's a Wednesday, for middle school. That's the week of baptism. Don't miss this chance because you are all invited to be transformed with us by Jesus. You're invited to be a part of the big tribe that we call Bridgeway by being part of a smaller tribe called a group. Because we want you to know that you are welcome here. You belong here, and we're so excited to work together to point each other to Jesus and being people after God's own heart. Let me pray. Thank you, God, for your word, giving us encouragement in it, in it. like the story of David and his mighty men. God, you called him a man after your own heart. I want that today to be a person after your heart. Would you help us gather our tribe together? Would you pull the people that you know we need in our life together? Give us courage to take a step into community today, to jump into a group of people who love you, want to do life together, and encourage each other to love others. See, we want to be those people. Thank you for you, God. Thank you for inviting us into relationship with you and into each other. God, would you, would you accept this worship, this praise that we're about to do now as we strive to be people after your own heart. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or our website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the Sermon Discussion Guide. 